0: All right, Psalm 138 tonight, Psalm 138 tonight. I wanted them to sing that song because that's what we're going to preach about tonight. We're going to preach about God's Word, going to preach about the importance of God's Word. And uh, I'll just go ahead and confess to you this not necessarily a sin, but I I don't like to steal sermons. I, I do not like to steal sermons, but I stole this one. And so I, I heard this sermon... Uh, not too long ago, and I felt led like I should preach it, so that's what I'm going to do. So I, I stole this one, and I did it without shame. Some things you're allowed to steal, and, and sermons are one of them. Amen. I just don't recommend if you're a preacher that you do it all the time. You need to come up with your own material. You say, well, it's all coming out of the Bible. I know, but you need to come up with something that God has given to you and so there but there's nothing wrong with repeating things that you've heard as long as it's true i do recommend you make sure it's true and so I don't think I have to worry about that here this evening. So we're going to, this will, let me warn you, this will be a little bit more along the lines of a Sunday school. Of course, I say that, and you know how Sunday school this morning turned out. It really turned more more out to be a sermon, and that's okay. I I appreciate it when the Lord gets involved with things. I I would rather it be that way, but I, I intend to do a lot of page turning tonight. So if you don't know where certain books of the Bible are, don't. Feel embarrassed about that tonight. Go home and be embarrassed about that. But get next to somebody who knows where all the books are and sit real close to them because I want you to look at all these passages that we turn to. I want you to see it with your own eyes. I don't want to just read it to you. I don't want to quote it to you. Many of these things I probably could do that. But I think it'd do you good. I know it'll do you good. If you open up God's book and you see it on the page for yourself, this is what God says And so that's the way we're going to try and do that tonight. So having said that, let's pray and then we'll get started. I told you Psalm 138, right? Okay, all right. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us tonight. Lord, I pray that you bless, God, this little study, this little sermon. God, whatever, Lord, however this turns out to be. And Lord, I I pray, God, that you'd take it, Lord, and let it... Uh, God, be a source of exhortation, God, a source of edification to your people. And, Lord, it's really, Lord, not really anything very deep, God. It's not anything very uh, complex. It's just a bunch of scriptures, God, in their simplicity. And, Lord, just want to make many points about, Lord, the wonderful book that you've given to us and, Lord, just want to try and do and say, Lord, what you want us to do and say, God, want to be led by it. Lord, want you to have free course among us. God, we're, Lord, we're unworthy sinners, God, is what we are, Lord, just saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we ask you, God, Lord, on the basis of what Christ did for us, God, do something for us tonight. Lord, help us, God. Minister to us, Lord, as we need it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I told you Psalm 138. And I want you to look in verse 2. The Bible said, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. It's a monumental statement. Because the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that the Lord has given God the Father, has given Jesus Christ a name at which every knee is going to bow. Every knee. Uh, All of the other gods that are no gods at all, they're going to bow the knee one day at the name of Jesus. Yes, sir. You say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you get that sorted out before you leave this world. But one thing's for sure. When all of this is wrapped up, there will come a day where you bow the knee. You say, why? Because Jesus' name is a high name. It's a holy name. It's a right name. Yes, sir. But the Bible says right here that God has taken his word and he's exalted it above the name. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. God places a very high importance on his word. Uh, however, you may see that, however, you know, a college professor may see that, or however your next door neighbor sees it, God puts a high value on his word. You have a Bible, I, I hope you have a Bible sitting in your lap, a King James Bible, and it has 1,189, might be 86 chapters, but I believe it's 1,189 chapters, if I got that right. The longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. And you know what Psalm 119 deals with? God's Word. That's not by coincidence. Right. Psalm 119 has 176 verses in it. Yes, sir. And all of them except three deal with God's Word in some form or fashion. And what I mean by that is it says, the law, thy Word, some form or fashion of God's Word is mentioned. Thy precepts, it's mentioned in all verses except three of them. God puts a very high importance on his word. He sure does. And so God elevates his word to a place of supreme prominence. Supreme prominence. You say... Uh, I've heard this said, and and it may be very possible that there's somebody sitting in here this evening much like this. I I know I've said this in my life, got to a place where I didn't feel like God was talking to me, didn't feel like God was dealing with me a whole lot. And I, I would think to myself, and I've had people tell this to me before, I really wish God Would speak to me. I wish that. Have you ever said that before? I'm not trying to get you to say that to embarrass yourself or, you know, anything like that. But I've said that before. Well, I have good news. God has said a lot to you. God has said much to you. And it's sitting right there in your lap. In book form. And listen, to be honest with you, if God is going to talk to you, that's the best way for God to talk to you. He said, No, no, I, I would really like for God to speak to me from heaven. What good would that do? Listen, some of you folks sitting in here this evening, God bless your heart. I love you, but you don't believe what you read on those pages. You wouldn't believe it if God did talk to you. I really just want God to say something to me. Well, let, let's look in Second Peter, Second Peter chapter one. 2 Peter chapter 1, and look in verse 16. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. The Bible says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You remember when that took place, that was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus Christ took Peter, James, and John up to the top of that mount, and the Bible said he was transfigured before him. His garments were white and glistening. He said that that, the Bible said they were so white as no fuller could white them. A a fuller is somebody who makes some soap. Uh, There you go. So... It was, he was transfigured in front of them, is what the Bible said. And they stood up there, and Peter opened his mouth and said, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here, which was right. But he said, there's two men that showed up next to Jesus, Moses and Elijah. And Peter said, let's make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And God, the Father, spake out of heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Listen to him. You need to forget about Moses and Elijah. You need to start paying attention to Jesus. Uh, hey, a lot of folks is worried about all kinds of other characters. You know, Enoch, the book of Enoch. People worried about that kind of stuff. Hey, I recommend you worry about Jesus. Yes. Amen. Enoch, the real Enoch, he, he testified that Jesus was coming back one day. That's what he said in the book of Jude, but that's a different sermon for a different time. It's real fun to talk about that stuff, the fact that Jesus point, or, or Enoch points to Jesus too. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You need to pay attention to Jesus. Well, verse 18, Peter said, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount, and then look at what he says. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Hey, Peter said, it'd be, it, he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. The, what we have sitting in our lap, Peter says, is more sure than the voice, the audible voice of God that came out of heaven. See, a lot of people think that it's, it ha- if it's supernatural, if it's spooky, it has to be God. And listen, if that's the case, then boy, we're messed up. We're in bad shape. Because many of us, and I, I say us, we're too stupid to really notice what's going on in the supernatural. So you know what God does? God in his mercy and his grace deals with men the same way that men deal with men by words how would you like to try to deal with your wife without words some of you probably am you are doing that how would you like to deal with your husbands without words how would you like to deal with your kids without words Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that'd be that'd make for a funny tv show but that's about all it would after about three days of that wouldn't even take that long you'd be ready to blow your brains out or theirs Whoever you're trying to deal with. Well, God realizes that. God's not sitting up in heaven going, mm-hmm. God speaks. He's got words. Yes, sir. And he said, it, he's, Peter said, it'd do you well that you'd take heed. You'd take heed. Verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. That book that you're sitting in your lap, it has words in it. And those words are definable. You say, I don't understand them. Uh, The biggest thing that I hear all the time is, I don't understand the these and the thous. Let me give you some encouragement. That's why you have a dictionary. Really. A dictionary can make you look real smart if you're not smart at all. I feel like you're insulting me. Well, hang on. We might insult you a little more. (laughs) Uh, yes, sir. But those words have definitions, and it's not private interpretation. It doesn't mean something mystical. What it says is what it means. It's very plain. When when God says a horse, God is not saying, he, not, he doesn't talk about a horse and mean something different. He means this four-legged creature that you can put a saddle on and ride. Huh? When God talks about water, Hey, there are times where he uses water as a type. And you can, you can get some typology and get some devotional truths. But when God says water, he means water. The stuff you drink. You put it in your mouth when you're hot. Working outside on a very hot day, you put it in your mouth and you tilt your head back and you go. Oof, 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 oof. God, when he says water, he means water. You say, why? Because those words in that book are definable. Look in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, I really want God to speak to me. He has. No, 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 I really want God to, you know, kind of give me something, you know, far out there. That's about what a lot of folks is looking for. They're looking for something far out there. And that's how they get far out there. But Luke chapter 16, now I'm not going to read the whole passage. We could, but you start in verse 19, Luke 16, 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. This is not a parable, by the way. This, This is a story that the Lord told. He never said it was a parable. And hopefully you're familiar with this passage to where, you know, this rich man dies and Lazarus dies. When Lazarus dies, he's carried by the angel was into Abraham's bosom, he he does not go to heaven. He goes to Abraham's bosom. You say, what does that mean? Do a little Bible study. If you want to know, I'll give you some passages. You go home and look at it. But that's a good study. Uh, Nobody goes to heaven before Christ dies at Calvary. You say, why? Because they're sinners. You don't go to heaven except by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way anybody can get into God's holy place. Amen. But anyways, the rich man dies too. And you know where he goes? He goes to hell. And he begins to cry out to Abraham and say, hey, send Lazarus over here to dip his tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormented in this flame. And he said, no, sir. He said, you received the good things in your life. He said, now Lazarus is receiving good things and you're being tormented. He said, well, if, if you won't do that for me, he said, send somebody back to preach to my five brothers. He said, I got five brothers. He said, I don't want them to come back here. And Abraham said, they got Moses and the prophets. Those are books. Moses wasn't alive when this was going on. The prophets weren't alive when this was going on. They're books. He said, they got Moses and the prophets. And that rich man said, they're not going to believe Moses and the prophets. They'll believe if somebody will come back from the dead. And and, and Abraham said, Abraham said, If they won't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe if somebody came back from the dead. Hey, don't you know that that's true? Don't you know that that's true? Them Pharisees was watching Jesus Christ walk around in front of them. That was God manifesting the flesh. He said, I'm God. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. They said, that can't be. That ain't true. It ain't true. Jesus said okay we'll see They crucify him three days later he comes up from the grave And when he comes up from the grave they said he didn't come up His disciples came in the middle of the night and stole him away Hey if a man's not interested in really knowing the truth It doesn't matter what miraculous thing takes place in front of him It doesn't matter Oh if, if, if I lived in the day of Jesus And Jesus did all these wonderful mighty miracles I would believe No you wouldn't Not if you don't believe that book That's what what he said. That's what's going on right there. Oh, they believe if somebody comes back from the dead. No, they won't. They got Moses and the prophets if they won't believe that. They won't believe though one came back from the dead. Yes, sir. Now, let's ask the question. Let Let me pose the question, then we'll try to answer it from the scripture. What is the Bible? What is the Bible? What is God's word? Let's try to see if we can define that. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2nd Timothy chapter 3. 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and look in verse 16. 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and look in verse 16. You see that first word right there in that verse? What's that word? That is a big word. You say it's only three letters. That's a big word though. It encompasses a lot of stuff, don't it? Okay. All scripture. All scripture. If it's scripture... If it's scripture, it's included in that verse. Do you understand that? Okay, the statement is all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture. Now let me ask you something. Do you have the scriptures? You got them sitting in your lap? Okay, then it's given by inspiration. You say, Brother Nathan, we have a translation of the scriptures. That translation must be inspired. It must be given by inspiration or it's not scripture according to that verse. I heard a fellow arguing one time and he said said the, the King James Bible is not inspired. He said the King James translators were not inspired the way that Isaiah and Jeremiah and Moses and all those men were inspired. I beg to differ. If they weren't, then what you have sitting in your lap is not scripture. That's all there is to it. It has to be inspired or it's not scripture. The italicized words, you hear the argument, the italicized words, they're not inspired. That's the argument. If they're not inspired, then you don't have scripture sitting in your lap. It has to be inspired. Does it say all scripture is given by inspiration? Okay, then that book that you have sitting in your lap. Listen, if this is not scripture, If this is not scripture, your Bible don't even have that. I'd I'd take that back for a refund. Hey, here we go. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It does have it on the spine, I bet you. See what it says? Holy Bible. Can you read? Okay. Holy Bible. It's Holy Bible. If it's not scripture, we've got to take that off. It's not holy. Uh, See, it is right there. See? Uh, I'd take it back and let them put it on the front, though. (laughs) Loud and in your face. Hey, if it's, if it's not inspired, it's not holy. All scripture is given, given by inspiration of God. There's two schools of thought in modern Christianity. There's two schools of thought. One one says, we're given the Bible by inspiration, and we still have it today. That's the, that's the school of thought that I'm in. Okay? There's another school of thought that says we're given the Bible by inspiration, but from the time that it's given till now. All we essentially have are good translate, or all we have are translations, some good and some bad. That's the two schools of thought. But this says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and so the question that you have to keep asking yourself is: Is that book scripture? If all it is is just, well, it might be a good translation, then it's not scripture. And you don't know which parts listen. At the end of the day, if that's not given by inspiration of God, you don't know what parts have been messed with and what parts have been messed with. You say, "But Dr. So-and-so says, he doesn't know. He eats boogers just like you do. He puts his pants on just like you do. His armpits stink just like yours do. He don't know. He don't know. You said, Brother Nathan, you're a little adamant about that. Absolutely. Hey, somebody somebody tampering with my source of faith. Why not get upset about it? Hey, I've rested. Listen, I've rested my whole life on this book. My whole life revolves around a book. My whole life. Hey, if it ain't true, I'm wasting my time. Let's go fishing. Well, it's got, it's got errors in it, Brother Nathan. Show me one. Show me. Let's see it. Let's see it. No, sir. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. You say, well, the only thing that's given by inspiration are the originals. Okay, you ever seen them? You ever seen the originals? How do you know that they were given? How do you know that the originals are given by inspiration? All you have is a, a reliable translation to tell you that. Huh? You don't know, hey listen, if this is not God's word, you don't know anything about textual criticism. I recommend not criticizing God's text. I recommend just opening it up and believing it. Hey listen, I grant you, there have been some Bibles. There is a line of Bibles that has been tampered with. But you know where those manuscripts was found? They was found in the Vatican. They was found down at Alexandria, Egypt. Alexandria, Egypt, Egypt in the Bible doesn't have a good connotation. I recommend you stay out of Egypt. Don't you want to go see the great pyramids and the great sphinx? No, no, I don't. No, sir, nothing over there that I want to see. I got Burger King and Hardee's and McDonald's. What do I need to go over to Egypt for? Amen. Amen. Hey, man, I lost some of you there. Go ahead. Go go ahead and go. You help yourself. I don't care. Uh, you're not going to backslide if you go over there, but I recommend you stay out of them libraries down there in Alexandria. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The only thing that's given by inspiration are the originals. Okay, well, then you're in trouble in verse 15 right here in Second Timothy chapter 3. Look at verse 15. Paul's talking to Timothy. we we'll look up in verse 14. He said, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He said, He's he talking to Timothy. He's talking to Timothy. And he said, You've known from a child, from your childhood, you've known the holy scriptures. Well, wait a second. What, did, did Timothy live back when Moses got those Ten Commandments, those two tables of stone, and walked down off of Mount Sinai? Did, did ten, he said, you've known the scriptures from your childhood. Hey, this is after Jesus Christ had done, been crucified, buried, rose again from the, from the grave. He's ascended back into heaven. That's when Timothy's around. Well, that's a far, that's a far piece From Isaiah, when he originally wrote the Bible, if he even wrote it, he may have he may have dictated it. I don't know. That's what Jeremiah did, huh? Well, I I don't I don't reckon I don't reckon that uh, old Timothy had the originals, but Paul didn't hesitate at all to call what Timothy had that scripture. He don't have the originals. Let me ask you a question. In Luke chapter 4, I believe it is, might be Luke chapter 8, Jesus Christ goes to his hometown in Nazareth, and he stands up in a synagogue, and he opens something. You know what he opens? A set of scriptures, a copy of scriptures. And he reads from the book of Isaiah. Was that the scriptures? If it's, if it's not given by inspiration, I guess it's not. That's what it says. But those are copies. Those are not the original manuscripts. But he's got the scripture sitting right in front of him just as much. Hey, Jesus Christ right there in his hometown, let's say that's the first year of his ministry. Jesus Christ, 30 years old, 31 years old. A couple of years later, here's an Ethiopian eunuch coming back home. He's going back home to Ethiopia from Jerusalem. And you know what he opens up and he's reading? The book of Isaiah. Which one's the word of God? Both of them's the word, but they're copies. you telling me that the Ethiopian eunuch had to roll over in his low riding chariot over to Nazareth. And get those scriptures out of the synagogue there at Nazareth. And say, well, I, I got to come over here because, you know, these are the originals." No, sir. They're copies. See what a lot of people have problems with. What a lot of people have problems with is not the fact that necessarily God inspired the originals. What people have, what they have a problem with, is that God, the God who's smart enough and wise enough and powerful enough to inspire the Word of God, is also wise and smart enough and powerful enough to preserve it. Hey, with or without your intelligence, with or without your cooperation. Yes, sir. God can take care of those things. Yes, he sure can. He sure can. All right. Psalm 33. Look in Psalm 33. Let's move along here. That was such a cheery note to start on. I so Brother Nathan, some of that stuff was over my head. that would be all right. Uh, you get into an argument with somebody about trying to argue with you about your King James Bible isn't, isn't the word of God and just know that they don't know what they're talking about. They just don't know what they're talking about. It's okay. Well, they found, you know, X, Y, Z, and they found this and they found that. They ain't found nothing that's credible. Amen. That's, that's all we have time for tonight because there's so much more wonderful things that can be said about God's word. But Psalm 33 and look in verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right. It's right. You know, you ladies can't say that about your husband all the time. I can't say that about my wife all the time. Ain't that right? You can always say it about God's word. God's word is always right. Always right. When God says something in his book, it's right. So I don't know. He said it's right. The word of the Lord is right. The word of the Lord is right. You don't ever have to wonder about whether it's right or not. Look in Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. You know, a lot of the stuff you hear on the news, it's not right. You know, you listen to a politician, and you can just about guarantee it ain't right. Yeah. But you open that book and start to read, huh? You got access to it every morning. Open it up every morning and begin to read. And you just know in the back of your mind, hey, this is right. Yeah. Whew. Right, uh, Proverbs thirty, look in verse five. The Bible said every word of God is pure. Now let me ask you something. Does that mean where is the word of God? Does it does that mean that the word of God is generally contained in the chapters that you know? The basic idea is what God's trying to communicate. Well, not not according to Proverbs thirty, verse five. It's every word. It's every word. Every word's important. Well, I I just think that what God's trying to do is just trying to get us a basic idea of what he wants us to understand. You know, God has all these words in this Bible, and he's just trying to uh, convey it to us. No, no. Every word. The The Bible records when Jesus Christ himself was tempted. When he was tempted, when he was tempted by none other than the devil himself. And he says, hey, if if you're the son of God, he said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus Christ said, man, he quoted scripture to him, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God shall man live. Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Every word of God is important. The parts that you don't enjoy, it's important. All that stuff about the tabernacle, it's important. All that stuff in 1 Chronicles chapters 1 through chapter 9 and it's nothing but names, it's important. If it was your name, you'd know it was important. Yes, sir. Every word of God is pure. It's pure. It's necessary. It's needful. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Yes, sir. Look in uh, John chapter 17. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And look in verse 17. We're just talking about what the Bible is, what is the Scripture. John chapter 17, verse 17. The Bible says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So I'm looking for the truth, brother Nathan. This is right where you're going to find it. This is, this is the place where you're going to find it. Listen, if it ain't in here, I wouldn't bank on it. Brother Nathan, I love to read. Well, I wish I did. I like to read my Bible. I'm still trying to learn to like reading, just reading different books. I'm still trying to develop that discipline. I like to read my Bible, but as far as reading other books, I kind of struggle with that a little bit. But, you know, I do read some other books, but there's a lot of things that I take with a grain, of, uh, a grain of salt when I read other books. You say, why? Because I just don't see it in the Scripture. It's a toss-up. Hey, there's a lot of things that I've seen I'm not sure is real. Yes, sir. But I know this. If it's in that book, it's true. Thy word is truth. You know what the Bible says? It says all men, that includes women, all men are sinners. That's what it says. You say, well, I just don't feel that way. That book is true. What you feel is not true. Boy, I wish some of you could really meditate on that and get a hold of that and extrapolate everything that you need out of that statement. God's word is true. What you feel may not be true. Yeah. Hey, it might be. If you've got a good sense of discernment, if you've got, you know, some, some wisdom, what you feel might be right. But I would take it back to the book. You say, why? Because God's word is true. Thy word is truth. That's what he said. Ain't that what he said? Sure it is. Yes, sir. Uh, Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19 and look in verse 7. Psalm chapter 19, verse 7. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect. It's complete. You don't have to add anything to it. You don't have to take anything away from it. You say, Brother Nathan, I really like to read commentaries. Hey, listen, let me tell you what the best commentary on God's Word is. God's Word. There's nothing, listen, there's nothing that's going to shed light on God's book like God's book. Yes, sir. You say, I, I really wonder what this particular passage means, so I'm going to go consult with Dr. Doodlesniffer in his commentary that he's got over here. I recommend you you consult with Dr. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Yes, sir. You know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? It says the way that you understand spiritual things is by comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You run up against a hard passage in the Bible that you don't understand. I recommend you compare spiritual things. It's spiritual. You compare spiritual things with spiritual. You say, what's that mean? Well, how about you take spiritual things and compare it with something else that's spiritual, like prayer. Like, take what you're in there and compare it to your prayer. Take what you're in there and compare it to your witnessing. Because I know you're a great witness. I know you've been telling everybody about Jesus because that's what the Bible tells you to do. Yes, sir. Hey, I recommend you, you compare those things. I just about nearly killed the service, didn't I? Oh, because, oh, well, we'll just leave it right there. That's what the Bible says you're supposed to be doing. You so say, I don't feel like it. Well, see, you, you're not supposed to be trusting what you feel. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Easier said than done, ain't it? Yeah. Amen. I know. Let's pray about that. Let's get that fixed. Amen. All right. He said the law of the Lord is perfect. And look at what he says. Converting the soul. You need conversion? What? How many of you, listen to me. Don't raise your hand, but I want you to think about this question. How many of you need your mind changed about some things? You know, Brother Tommy, there's been some things in my mind that I've thought, and I've I've had my mind in a particular train of thought, you know, just developed a habit. And I've looked at myself and said, Boy, something don't seem right about that way of thinking. And I've had to step back and say, Lord, I think I might need some conversion. I think I might need you to change my mind about this thing. You know where it's going to be changed? Right there. Some of you think things are right and they're wrong as the devil Yes, sir. You justified a preacher preach on it and you just nearly lay out of church because you're you so mad. You're so mad. you upset. You're so discouraged. Hey, I can tell you where you can get your heart changed. I can tell you where you can get your mind changed. Right there. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. It'll convert you. He said, Brother Nathan, I've already been converted. I'm already saved. Hey, the Bible said in the book of, uh, in one of the epistles to Timothy, I believe it's right there in 2 Timothy where we was in chapter 3, he said, the scriptures are able to make thee wise unto salvation. And he said, in another place, take heed to the doctrines which thou hast learned. He said, for in them thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. He's not talking about getting saved. Oh, Jesus, save my soul, come into my heart and save it. He's talking about there's some aspects of your life that need to be changed. They need to be Saved, need some salvation to go on in your life. Where is it going to take place? Right there. Right there. Right there in that little book. That old little black backed book that you probably bought from a dime store. Not saying nothing against that. But just that little insignificant book, just got a bunch of words in it that you look at and stare at every day. Man, that is is all the wealth of the universe right there. It'll convert you. It'll change. It will change your life. It'll change you. It'll change your life. Yes, sir, it'll change your life. Look, go back one chapter and look in Psalm 18. Psalm 18, look in verse 30. Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. Yes, sir. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust him. The, Lord and the, word, the, the word of the Lord is tried. You know, Christianity, Christianity started about 2,000 years ago. And since that time, there has been all kinds of religions that have basically been invented. All kinds of stuff. And you know what? You wake up tomorrow and there's going to be some latest and greatest something. If you've got access to YouTube, you're going to find it. Yes, sir. Everybody's got to put their deep theological thoughts on YouTube. Yes, sir. But you know what happens? You just give it some time and let's see if it comes to pass. Let's see what it produces. That book that you got sitting in your lap, it's been tried through the centuries. Yes, sir. And you know, everybody that's put it on trial, every situation that it's ever had to endure, hey, people have tried to burn that thing. The Roman Catholic Church went through slaughter in Christians. They went through slaughter in Christians trying to take that book and put it in a library. They would chain it to the pulpits throughout the, the world that they had rule over just so that they could put that book somewhere to where the common man wouldn't have it. And you know what? It's still here. Here you sitting in a in a little country, the United States of America, and just about every single one of you has got a copy sitting in your lap. You say why? Because the word of the Lord is tried. It's endured all hell and it's still here. Still here. People tried to bury it, people tried to burn it, people tried to stomp it out, and it's still here. You can't say that about you, you can't say that about your mother, you can't say that about what you told somebody yesterday, but you can say it about what God said. You know what Jesus said in the book of John? Jesus said in the book of John, he, talking to them Pharisees, he said, the scriptures, Cannot be broken. Can't be broken. You can't break that book. You can't break it. You can't break it. Hey, something that I tell you, you might be able to find your way to weasel. Find a way to weasel your way around that thing. Not that. Not that. The word of the Lord's tried. Yes, sir. Been through some fiery trials. Been through some fiery trials. Still there. How about Charlie Darwin? Huh? How about Charlie Darwin? You know, when Charlie Darwin got on his deathbed, he said, there is no way that everything that I have postulated, everything that I have theorized, he said, there's no way that it's true. Right. You know what his basis for saying that was? The human eye. He said, evolution could not have produced the human eye. It, there had to be an intelligent creator. Charlie Darwin's theories don't hold up. They got tried, and they didn't even hold up to his own scrutiny. Take that book you got sitting in there. I I triple dog dare you, if you got the guts, take that book and scrutinize it. Do it. Try to tear it apart and analyze it and criticize it. You know, when you're reading that book, that book is sitting there watching you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's watching you. Some of you folks more worried about the government. Big brother's watching you. You better be worried about that thing that sits on your nightstand. Huh? Huh? You're laying down. You're laying down in your bed. And you got a Bible sitting right there on your nightstand. Right there. And what you don't realize is while you're sleeping, the Bible is sitting there going. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's watching you. You say, that's kind of spooky, Brother Nathan. Well, I thought that's what you wanted. That's what you like, ain't it, huh? Let me ask you. Let, let me present this question to you, and then we'll try to answer this one. What's, what will the Bible do? What will it do? You know the Bible do a lot of things for it. Look in Romans. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and look in verse 17. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know what the word of God will do? It'll produce faith. You know why some of you might be struggling tonight in your Christianity? You just don't have much faith. You know what the disciples said one day? They said, Lord, increase our faith. They said that after the Lord told them. They said, Lord, if, if somebody transgresses against us seven times, do we forgive them seven times? And the Lord said, no, sir. He said, if they transgress against you 70 times seven, you forgive them. Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> oh, That's right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of about like the statement when they came to the Lord and said, hey, is it right for a man to put away his wife? for every cause, and the Lord went through that thing, and he said, no, sir, he said, you're not supposed to put away your wife unless she commits adultery, basically, is what he said, and the disciples got next to him afterwards, and they said, hey, if this is true, it's not good for a man to be married, <laughs> uh, I disagree with that statement, no, I disagree, He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Them boys should have been messing around in Proverbs. That's what it says. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. You don't find a good wife, you find a thing. Uh, But anyways, anyways, all right. It'll produce faith. The Bible will produce faith. It's important. Listen, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So, Brother Nathan, I'd really like to know how I can please God. I can tell you how to find out how to do it. It's right there. Yes, sir. The life of faith is a life that's pleasing to God. It's a life of trusting God. Just taking what God says and believing what he says and just living that way, operating on that basis. You know how that's going to be produced in your life, how it's going to be produced in your heart? It's not by Oprah Winfrey. It's not by the voice. Huh? (laughs) That TV show probably ain't even on anymore. The voice that you need to get in touch with is not four ladies sitting around talking about social issues. That's the wrong voice. That's the voice you need to be in touch with. Mm -hmm. I must must have hit a stump right there. Hey, (laughs) it's just the way it is. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. This Bible will produce faith. Look look back in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's go back to where we was here just a minute ago. 2 Timothy chapter 3. and let's look in verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Well, again, look back in verse 14. We already looked at this one time, but let's look at it again. We'll take a second look. He said, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Hey, listen. If there's a God, and there is, and salvation is necessary, and there is, you know how you're going to find out how to be saved? Right there. You say, well, Brother Nathan, I'll find out how to be saved from my church. No, you ain't, not unless they're preaching what it says. Huh? Hey, the only reason that we can stand authoritatively and say, this is the way that you obtain salvation, the only reason we can say that is because it's what it says in the book. Hey, the only reason, listen to me, the only reason that a preacher can get up and sound arrogant when he preaches, because I know that's what a lot of folks think, Preachers who preach emphatically, that's what, he's just being arrogant. The only reason that we can do that is because it's what it says. The moment that we step out beyond what it says plainly in black and white, we have to say, well, it's possible. Well, it might be. And quite frankly, the church is not a place for a whole lot of that stuff. Every once in a while you start looking at things in the Bible, some, you know, some far out stuff, and you can say, well, it might be it's like this, but we don't, we don't explore that much because there's so much that it says plainly. Why talk about that stuff when we could talk about this? Hey, Brother Nathan, when are you going to preach a sermon on Genesis chapter 6? Probably never. Never. You know why? First, one, one reason why is because it might bring in a bunch of weirdos. Yeah. But the other reason is because I don't know what it's talking about i got some ideas, but that's all they are. They're just ideas. It's conjecture. Amen. Yes, sir. How did we get on all that? You want to know how to be saved? You're going to find it right there. Yes, sir. You're going to find it in the book. The Bible said you're supposed to receive with meekness. We looked at this this morning in Sunday school. You're supposed to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able To save your souls. No preacher going to come down to your house and go, uh, Fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman and put you in heaven. No preacher going to do that. You know what's going to save your soul? That book. It's that book. It's that book. It's what God said. Look in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look in verse 22. 1 Peter chapter 1, and look in verse 22. He said, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Listen, every single one of you here that's, that's living, you got here by corruptible seed. Without going into too much detail, as from one of your parents. You know, natural life does not start on this earth without seed. Everything starts with seed. Everything. You started with seed. Read your Bible. The Bible talks about a man's seed. You understand that? Everybody that needs to understand understands that. Okay, it's corruptible. You know how I know it's corruptible? Because people die. That book is also, it's called seed. And when the Holy Spirit comes by and takes that seed and plants it in your heart, when it takes root, it produces new life. Huh? It produces new life. And that is incorruptible seed. You know what that does? That gives you an incorruptible life. It gives you eternal life. Hey, listen, if you got saved, whether you realize it or not, if you got saved, the only reason you're saved, I say the only reason. Let me put it like this. Let me back up and put it like this. If you're saved in here, the word of God had a big part to play in that. Yeah, amen. You say, Brother Nathan, I got saved because I went to a gospel concert. Mm-mm. Hey, maybe you went to a gospel concert and they preached. Maybe he didn't throw down and, you know... I'm telling you, bless God, you better get saved or you're going to die and go to hell. But he got up and he took the Word of God and he said something by the Word of God. That's what it says. So, Brother Nathan, no, I just had this feeling that came over me. No, you didn't. Maybe you did have a feeling, but that's not where salvation comes from. Salvation comes from that book. I'm real hesitant. I'm real hesitant about all this stuff of these, I went to this concert and, you know, these folks was singing in our church service and boy, I just felt like I had to go down to the altar and get saved. Hey, maybe that's the thing that pulled the net. But that's that's not the element that produced your salvation. It was that book. Maybe it was in the form of a gospel track. Maybe it was in the form of a preacher. Maybe you had open a Bible. I know a fellow that got saved reading Peter S. Ruckman's commentary on Revelation. You know what that commentary is full of? Scripture. It's God's book. It's God's book. And if it ain't God's book, you didn't get saved. That's all there is to it. It's God's book. I don't feel like I'm saved. It's God's book. It's God's book. Yes, sir. That's what you count on. Hey, God, this is what you said, and that's what I'm trusting. (laughs) If it ain't true, I'm going to hell, but I'm going to hell trusting you. It'll be your fault. Ain't that right? Ain't Ain't that so simple? Ain't that so simple? You said that you sent your son to die for my sins, and I believe that. And you said if I'd call on you, you'd save my soul. I believe that, and I did that. If I go to hell, it's your fault. Hey, if you go into hell, if you did that and you go into hell, I'll see you there because that's what I did. And that's all I'm trusting. It ain't going to happen because God's God's word is true. Your feelings are messed up. Yes, sir. The way you think about things are jacked, son. They're jacked. God's word's right. Thank God. You better thank God. You better thank God that some of the preaching you've heard in your life is wrong. Oh, you couldn't do that and be saved. Oh, my soul. I'd be on my way to hell this evening. There ain't no doubt in my mind. Yes, sir. You know why I'm going to heaven? You know why I'm going to heaven? Because God said something and I believed it. That's all there is to it. The thing that's taking me to heaven is not the way I feel and it's not the way I think. It's the simple fact that God said, hey, this is what I'll do. And you just believe it. And I'll take care of the rest. <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. If that don't get me in, I ain't getting in. I ain't getting in. St. Peter standing at the pearly gates. Why should we let you in? Because Jesus said so. Oh, okay. Come on in. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? Get it, get it. Well, I was a member of the First Baptist Church. Yeah. Well, I gave $10,000. Yeah. Hey, if you want to give $10,000, help yourself. We'll use it. Yes, sir. We've got a lot of projects going on, but that ain't going to get you into heaven. Yes, sir. It ain't going to get you into heaven. Amen. That's right. I really enjoyed this sermon for a sermon that I stole this is a pretty good sermon oh I'm going to steal a lot more sermons from now on oh anyways I the felt like I got this sermon from but anyhow oh look right here in 1 Peter chapter 2 look at what he says in verse 2 he says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby you know what God's word will do for you it'll help you grow You know, a lot of Christians get saved, and they get saved by the Word of God. But they never grow. You know why? They put God's Word on the shelf and just leave it alone. You know what's not going to help you grow? Listen to me. Listen. Please listen to me. I'm not going to stop. But what's not going to help you grow is a preacher reaming you out. You say, then why do you do it? Because that's often what it takes to get you motivated. And we're going to keep doing that because that's the way, hey... Preaching to you and telling you, hey, if you don't do this, man, God's going to tear your life apart. Yes, sir. A lot of the trouble in your life could be avoided if you just knew what was right, if you just knew what the book said. But a preacher standing up and saying, hey, you need to do this. Hey, you better do this. Hey, you better, you know, cut your hair. Hey, you better wear the right clothes. Hey, you better do this. You better do that. You need to be in church every time the door's open. That's not going to help you grow. You know what's going to help you grow? That book. A book's going to help you grow. Hey, a lot of the growing... That you're upset with a preacher about, whether it's me or some evangelist or some other pastor you had in your life, a lot of the growing that you're upset about that you haven't done yet, because if that preacher was just a better preacher, I could have grown, I could have been much further along. A lot of that stuff you're upset about, you could have taken advantage of if you would just get in that book. Boy, I wish I wish I could explain to you. Boy, I feel like Elihu in the book of Job, man, my my he said, he said. He said, my, "My soul is like a bottle without a vent." He said, "I'm about to burst. I wish I could explain to you just the small amount of things that God has been so gracious to show me. And boy, what a difference it's made in my life. There's so much. Listen, some of you some of you, in, you were in bad shape before the Lord came your way, before God ever saved your soul, before God ever did before God ever looked your way. You was on the road to hell in the worst kind of condition. And God came by in his mercy and dealt with you and said, you're a sinner. And you said, boy, I know I'm a sinner. He said, I sent my son to die for you. He said, I know I know you sent your son to die for me. He said, if you just call on me, I'll save you. You said, okay, I'll call on you. And then you went home and you started opening that book and started perusing the pages of that book and God started showing you things and saying, you need to get this fixed. You need to do this. You need to clean this up. Preacher come and he preached the word of God. Say, hey, you better stop that. Hey, you better start doing this. Hey, you need to get involved with this. And he said, yeah, that's Right, I'm gonna start doing that. You started taking heed to those things, and here you are. You yeah. yeah. said, Brother Nathan, I'm not perfect. Yeah, but you're not what you was. Yes, yeah. yeah, sir. Yes, sir. You're not what you was. Right. Huh? Some of you back, some of you backslid as hell. Some of you sitting right in here, you backslid as the devil. You're still not where you was. Right. Huh? Amen. Hey, even in you backslid tonight, and you could stand up and say, Thank! Oh, thank God I'm not what I was. Yes, sir. You know what did that? It wasn't some preacher pulling out a magic wand and saying, you're spiritual. It was God's book. And listen, if it's brought you that far, don't you think it can take you all the way home? Yes, sir. I know it can. Yes, sir. Listen, you don't need some seminary education. You just don't need it. You say, what do I need? That book. That book, that's what you need. That's what you need. Look in Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four, and look in verse twelve. Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve. I should have saved all that. Shaved. Help us. I should have saved all that shouting for this point, but that'd be all right. Look in verse. Uh, look in verse twelve. Hebrews four, verse twelve. For the word of God is quick. That means alive. Hey, when you cut your fingernail down too far, you cut it into the quick. Or like a little boy said, you cut it down all the way into the scream. <laughs> that's right. You cut it down to the quick. That's, that's, where, that's where you can tell you're alive. Yes, sir. That's where you can tell you're alive. For the Word of God is quick and it's powerful. You need some power? You slumped down in your life? Not able to go forward? Here's what, here's what you need. You know what this is this is a detroit diesel sitting right here yes sir you in a bad spot just turn that thing on you say how do i turn it on Vroom. yes sir open it up and start reading the word of god's quick and powerful it's sharper people don't like sharp things this day and time it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what God's book will do for you? it will cut you loose. Yeah, right. Yes, sir. Hey, when Lazarus got raised from the dead, the Lord looked at those fee- people that were standing around, and he said, Loose them. Let him go. Yeah. You saved? Some of you still got your grave clothes on. You say, How do I get them off? Right here. Right yeah. here. It's right here. Yeah. It's right here. Yes, sir. Psalm 119, verse 9, it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? John 15, verse 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You want to get clean? Let me make a recommendation to you. The next time you go out and grievously, egregiously grieve God and sin and do something you know you ain't supposed to do, Get out on your knees and say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so stupid. God, I'm fleshly. God, I pray that you would pity my poor, ignorant soul. God, help me. God, help me not to do that again. And then get up off your knees and go open that Bible and read about five or ten pages. Huh? Pull the soap out. Yes, sir. Hey, listen, if you spend 10 or 15 minutes dwelling on stuff you shouldn't be dwelling on, spend about... 20 or 30 minutes dwelling on things you should dwell on yeah. Yeah. and just go look in the mirror and say every time you think a dirty thought however long you dwell on that I'm going to double the amount of time in that book yeah. let's see what happens That's right. some of you ain't got guts to do that some of you probably wouldn't get much else done would you I don't know but I bet this I bet your mind start getting cleaned out yeah. yes sir I bet it sure would that's what God's word does. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. John 8. John 8. Three more. Three more. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And look in verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. <clears throat> John chapter 8, verse 31. Let me find it myself. He said, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. You want to be a disciple? We talked this morning. I preached a little bit about the, the, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. There's a difference between being saved, being on your way to heaven, and being a disciple. Yes, sir. What do I got to do to be saved, Brother Nathan? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Thank God for that. He said, so, Brother Nathan, what do I have to do to be a disciple? If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. You know what you got to do to be a disciple of the Lord? You got to read that book, and then you got to live it. And then you got to pick it up and read that book, and then you got to live it. And then you got to pick up that book and read it. And then you got to live it. Read it, live it. Read it, live it. Read it, live it. Just keep doing that. And you know what? Before too long, you'll turn around and you'll look behind you and say, man, who is this individual that I'm trapped in their skin? You won't even recognize yourself. And you know what made the change? God's book. Just continuing in God's word. Yes, sir. Then... Then are ye my disciples if you continue in my word then are ye my disciples indeed listen listen to me You take this as a rebuke you take it as a scold you take it as encouragement However, you need to take it but listen you start a little while and start trying to apply god's word into your life And then you quit for two weeks Go back to just doing whatever you was doing You're not going to be a disciple Get right with god and fall out and get right with God and fall out and get right with God and fall out and get right with God and fall out, you're not going to be a disciple. I didn't say you was going to lose your salvation, but that's not discipleship. You say, Brother Nathan, that's not fair. Well, if you want to talk about fair, let's talk about somebody bearing your sins. Jesus said, Jesus said, what's right, I'll give you. And if you're talking about spirituality, that's works-based. Yes, sir. Salvation is by grace through faith. But spirituality, discipleship is works based. Yes, sir. It's legalism. If that's what you want to identify it as, it's legalism. You're going to have to be faithful. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And the place you've got to start, listen, the place you've got to start is right here. Right here. It's with the book. It's with the book. It's not to your mama. Although if, you, if you're still in your mom and daddy's house, I recommend you be faithful to your mama and daddy. But the place you've got to start's right there. You know why you're supposed to be faithful to your mom and daddy? This seems just like a good place to put it here. You know why you're supposed to be faithful to your mom and daddy? Because the Bible says so. It's that simple. Listen, you take little things like that and read your Bible, read it through cover to cover. You want to do word studies, you help yourself, but don't let word studies take over reading it cover to cover because you're going to miss things doing word studies. You're going to, do, you're going to miss things doing topical studies. You're going, to, you're going to study the topics that you want to learn about, and there's a whole lot in your life that you don't want to learn about that God wants you to learn about. Amen. Yes, sir, you wanting to study you know, uh, sanctification, and God's wanting you to learn about how to quit cussing. Which, ironically, is part of your sanctification. Uh, Yes, sir. You just start finding those things and just live it. Oh man, I read my Bible today and God raked me over the coals about this one particular thing. God help me. And then the rest of the day, keep that in mind. Oh, be angry and sin not. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And look at what he says right here in verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Brother Nathan, I think I need to go to Pensacola Bible Institute to learn the Bible. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. I'm not saying it's a sin for you to go. Of course, there's a lot of Bible schools I would tell you not to go. You want me to name them because y'all are on edge. I'd be glad to tell you what they are. Listen, i just—I just about to tell you this. If it's a Christian college, I, will, I don't recommend you go there to learn the Bible. You want to go to learn how to do programs in a church? A lot of these colleges have all that stuff, but most of these Christian colleges don't even believe that the King James Bible is the Word of God. Pensacola Christian College, Bob Jones University, all those schools don't believe that the King James Bible is the Word of God. They'll tell you how to build a church with programs, but they won't teach you the Bible. That's, that's just the God's honest truth. You say, how do I learn the Bible, brother Nathan? Read it and live it. Yeah. Read it, believe it, incorporate it into your life. You know, what? A lot of, you know why people, a lot of folks, their light has stopped? I'm talking about they're get, trying to get light from God, and you know why God ain't showing them nothing else? Because God showed them something way back here, and they said, no, no, that couldn't possibly be right. They saw it in black and white on the pages of God's book, or maybe black and red. Got a red letter Bible, huh? They saw it plain as day in God's book. And they said, no, that I, that couldn't be right. Or, oh, Lord, I understand, but I, I, that cost me too much. My family won't talk to me no more. Lord, I, I might get fired. Huh? And so they stopped. They stopped. Progress stopped. Ain't that the way God dealt with Israel in the Old Testament? Get up to Kadesh Barnea. Mm, Maybe. God said, you go in the land. I'll give you victory. I'll watch out for you. I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. You just go. I'll take care of the rest. Got up to Kadesh Barnea and said, let's send some people over in there to see what it's all about. They came back. Ten of them said, we can't do it. Two of them said, we can. And they all went around and said, we can't do it. And God said, okay. Wander out in the wilderness for 40 years until all that generation that said we can't do it until they all die off. You say, what happened? Light stopped. God quit showing them things because they wouldn't be obedient to what they already knew. I wonder what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Open up the Bible and find out. Open it up. Read it and do it. And I guarantee you, listen, I guarantee you, you'll start seeing things. It may take a couple of years But you ain't got that much time, do you? But you got that much time to get advanced on your job. But you ain't got that much time to waste on spirituality. It's your call. You do what you want to. But there's going to come a day where your job's going to go up in flames. And this will be the only thing that's standing. This will be be it. This will be all there is. Brother Nathan, when you're going to end this sermon, listen, eternity's a long time to be wondering when the sermon's going to get over. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a God's honest truth. Hey, just read it and live it. Read it and live it. Read it and live it. Yes, sir. Psalm 119, verse 130, it says, The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding to the simple. God's book can take a dumb individual and give them some understanding. Give give them some wisdom. Hey, listen, some of you folks sitting right in here, you got some wisdom about you. If we went back to the day before you got saved, my soul. You talk about somebody dumber than a barrel of hair. Huh? How'd you get from there to here? It's right there. It's that book. All right, John 12, this last place, John 12, verse 47. John 12, verse 47. Let me say this about God's book in closing. That book is how you're going to be judged. said, Brother Nathan, I'm saved. God's going to judge you by the book. said, Brother Nathan, I'm not saved. God's going to judge you by the book. Look at what he says. John chapter 12, look in verse 47. He said, If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. That's a reference to the great white throne of judgment. Everybody who's never trusted Christ is going to be standing at the great white throne of judgment. And I believe you'll have an opportunity to present every argument that you want to present. Yes, sir. I didn't know. And you know what God's going to say? It's written. Well, nobody ever told me, Lord. God's going to say, it's written. But Lord, I didn't feel like you did this right. It's written. John chapter 8, I believe it is, verse 44. Jesus said, year of your father the devil. He's talking to lost people, ain't that right? You're of your father the devil. How did he deal with the devil when the devil came talking to him? It's written. You think he's going to deal with, his, with the devil's children any differently? Listen, let me tell you something. You go to the great white throne of judgment without trusting. If you're at the great white throne, it's because you haven't trusted Jesus. But if you go to judgment and you've never trusted Christ, you're going to be at the great white throne of judgment. And God, Jesus Christ, doesn't have anything to say to you other than what he's already said. At the great white throne, you're not there. You're not at the great white throne because Jesus is trying to change your mind. The opportunity for that was here. Yes, sir. You know what you find about the rich man in hell? He never changed his mind about his attitude. He wanted Lazarus to come cater to him. He wanted Lazarus to go and cater to his brethren. It was still all about himself. His attitude never changed. Hey, your, your opportunity for your heart to change is here. It's in this life. You die without Christ, all you're going to do is be a hardened sinner. You're going to be fully convinced, hey, this is just the way. It's a place of no hope, man, dying and going to hell. It's a place of no hope. Yeah, right. And you stand before God at judgment. Listen, you stand before God at judgment. The Lord don't have much to say to you because it's already been said. What about all these people that don't know? What about the, all these people that never been told that Jesus died for their sin? It's written Hey, those people don't exist. Let me just tell you. Those people don't exist. Right. Romans chapter 1 says they have creation to tell them. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, I didn't know. Well, I said in Psalm, uh, Psalm chapter 19, the firmament chose my handiwork. Romans chapter 1 says that which may be God is known in them. Yeah. How you got all this stuff standing around you to where you could have thought, hey, man. Somebody made this stuff. What's this all about? You stand at great white throne. God's going to pull that book out and he's going to read, the, read you the right act. Hey, do yourself a favor. Open the book now. Yeah. Open it now. It's an open book test. Yeah. It's an open book test. Open it tonight. Open it today. Go home and read it. Open it up tomorrow morning and say... You say, Brother Nathan, I, I don't know nothing about this, re- this religion stuff. Open it up anyway. Hey, God, if you're real, I want to know. Yeah. Yes, sir. Hey, if you're out there, show me. God, I believe this is your book. Deal with me. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. He dealt with a man named Cornelius. He dealt with an Ethiopian eunuch. If you want to know, I believe he'll deal with you too. And listen, he'll send you a preacher. Here here I is. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Jesus died for your sins. That's all there is to it. Hey, you're a sinner. You messed up. You messed up bad. Jesus was not. And Jesus came and died for your sins. It's a substitutionary death. He came and died for your sins. And all that's required now is for you to look at that substitutionary death and say, I believe that that's enough to forgive me, for God to forgive me of my sins. I believe that's why God is able to forgive me. Yes, sir. That's a torture act. That's not a, bl- a sign of a blessing. That's a sign of a curse. Yeah, yeah. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So I'm still not convinced, okay? You got a Bible? Read. Yeah, yeah. Read. 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 Seek you out the book of the Lord and read. Yes, sir. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us tonight, Lord. God, thank you, Lord, for a a solid foundation to stand on. Lord, God, if we had to depend on our feelings, God, we'd be all messed up. And, God, Lord, a lot of times, Lord, we do, and that's why we are messed up. But, Lord, I thank you, God, Lord, that your word is even even able to get our feelings straightened out. God, I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, we're, we're able, God, to open up the word of God and, Lord, get our minds straight. God, get our hearts ironed out. God, thank you for these things. Lord, thank you for a book that's a sure foundation. God, I pray, Lord, whatever was needed, God, Lord, by the various people that are here tonight, God, I pray that you'd take those things and, uh, Lord, apply them to people's hearts. God, help them, Lord, to take heed to what they heard tonight. God, help them to act on it. Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Good night. May the Lord bless you. You're dismissed.